This episode of the Getting Smart Podcast is part of our new Pathways campaign. What is something you used to think that you've changed your mind about? It's time for us to do that with all things learning. Previous Getting Smart campaigns have laid the groundwork of networks, place, purpose, and innovation. Our latest effort, the new Pathways campaign, will serve as a catalyst for unbundling education to allow for new learning models that are sustained by support and guidance and embedded in scalable systems. In partnership with ASA, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Stand Together, and the Walton Foundation, the new Pathways campaign will question education status quo and propose new methods of giving students a chance to experience success in what's next. Find out more at gettingsmart.com backslash new pathways. You are listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. I'm Nate McLennan, and today I am excited to have Rupert Ward join us. Uh, Rupert is a former special advisor and project lead for IDEA, uh, which is an amazing badging platform and free educational technology. I actually just completed my first badge on the platform focused on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. He's a professor for learning innovation and associate dean uh, within the School of Computing and Engineering at University of Huddersfield in the UK. National Teaching Fellow, Principal Fellow of the Higher Education Academy. And I think most important, he believes deeply in personalized learning for every learner in the world. And I think we share that. So welcome, Rupert. Super excited to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Nate. Yeah. And, and Rupert and I uh, and Shawnee, one of our colleagues, had a chance to to talk uh, a few weeks ago. And, and we decided after we said we should have a podcast because uh, Rupert has a lot to share. He's done a lot of interesting work and has some big ideas about uh, conversations around credentialing and badging and personalized learning and how really we are are, are ready for a shift into a, a much more effective learning environment for all individuals. So Let's start off and just give our listeners some context. Uh, what got you started in this space? Uh, was it was it education first that you were a learner first, or were you always excited about technology? Um, and what were you like as a learner? Okay, so um, I mean, learning first. Uh, I would say that that's always been the case. Um, I even when I was at, at school, I was always looking at doing additional learning. So I did night classes. I, I took extra qualifications. I did things for fun. And it's something I've been doing throughout my, my career. I mean, I'm on my eighth postgraduate qualification at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think I'm probably, maybe a learning addict would be a better, better phrase. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I started with learning and then um, – I sort of went through my, my educational process and, and I didn't know what I want, want to do. So I, I stayed in education for as long as I could until I decided uh, that I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, so um, I went into to doing that. And again, that was focusing on the, the learning side. Uh, but then actually over time, I realized that actually what I wanted to do was support learning rather than to teach. Uh, and I started then on a journey of how do you best support learning and, you know, and technology during my, my working life has evolved significantly. So I, I started about 15 years ago uh, with uh, overseeing innovations in terms of uh, digital film courses and using Second Life uh, to support learning. 
Um, and then from there, focusing more on, on things like um, assessment feedback and and technological solutions for the institution I worked at and developing those, um, which, you know, basically a lot of the work I was doing there was about uh, the understanding the the learning ecosystem and understanding the processes involved in that. And the technology was very much as a, a tool and a technique to address those parts of the system, right? So it was... It was very much not led by the technology. It was very much about how can the technology help support the learning, um, and uh, that led on to um, my 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 work uh, in terms of badging and micro credentialing and personalized learning. Got it. And so, so let's let's dive into badging and micro credentialing. I guess first, let's just set up some some baseline definitions. Do you discern between a badge? And a micro credential, and maybe a competency. How, how, how do you differ between those different um, vocabs? Yeah, I'll give you some some definitions of key terms. I guess so. Um, I guess the first thing to start with is to understand the difference between learning and earning. So to understand the difference between what we do in education traditionally and what we do in employment. So in education, we usually define the capabilities that are being developed through what are known as learning outcomes. So, so we say, look, this is, this is what you will have learned. This is what you will be capable of when you have studied this, this program of study. Okay. So, so the education side is about capabilities. It's about learning outcomes. The workplace side is about competencies. It's about applying that learning to different contexts. So to give you a simple analogy to, to illustrate the difference here, imagine a difference between learning to pass your driving test, which is education, capability, and driving in different uh, traffic and weather conditions in different countries on the other side of the road, which is applying that to a context, right? So that's that's the competency side. And so, so the the... Well, we can come back to this, but the, the issue fundamentally is that those two things don't usually align very well, right? Um, so, so those those are two key definitions, and then I guess the 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 the, the two that are relevant then within this conversation are badges and micro credentials. So, badges are very much about um, learning activities in their broadest sense that can be recognised. So. A, a thing that you are doing that can be recognized, okay? Now, micro-credentials are, you know, as the name in, implies, are a way of breaking down traditionally recognized qualifications, traditionally recognized credentials into sub-components, right? Into, into parts of those, right? So there is a, a subtle difference between the two, right? So you could, for example, do a set of badges to make up a micro-credential, okay? Um, but similarly, you could do a set of micro-credentials to make up a credential, right? There's, there's different ways in which these, these can be used. But underpinning both uh, and, and linking between the capability and competency point is skills, you know, the, 
the 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 the, the universal translator, you know, the uh, the Babel fish, if you're a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> fan, um, is the skills. The skills are now allow you to connect between those two those two areas of capability and competency, uh, and they enable you to understand both badges and micro credentials. Got it. So if so, so the the link between capability and competency, we, we need to link these close more closely because they're disconnected at the moment. Skills are the linking piece. Badging is the recognition that you've you've shown uh, the learning activity that's recognized, and then you may stack badges into a micro credential or whatever level of granularity that might exist. Is that a good description? Yeah, Nate. That's a, that's a reasonable summary of the space. Yeah. Gotcha. So now let's think. You you have been part of building um, Idea, um, which is which is uh, the largest badging organization in the world. Ten million badges in five years in ninety five percent of countries. That is massive. So when you started started that project, was that the vision to get to that size? What was the genesis of that project? Okay. So I mean, this was working for for the royal household in the UK. So. Um, the aspirations are always high as to what what's gonna what's gonna be involved in there. So, um, but but the I guess the challenge is what's the context in which you are setting your targets, right? So so you could set a target of let's say a million people using the platform, uh, but what's reasonable in the space, right? So so I think you know I think the 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 metric you know, that's been settled on in terms of the badges completed is a, you know, is a, is a good one. You know, the, the, you know, we, we started off um, and actually initially it was, it was quite slow, the progress rate in terms of of badge completion, but the acceleration was significant. And, and basically, you know, certainly from my perspective, it's been predominantly organic growth. It's not been hugely promoted. It's not been, usually marketed um but when people have become aware of it and have used it they've shared it with others and it has utility in lots of different areas of society so i think i think its popularity has come about because of its utility it's you know because of what it it can do and how it it interacts with the person doing that um and so so yeah, I mean, the, you know, the the aim was to get to a million, to get to five million. You know, we got to ten million this year. I mean, but just to give you a, 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 a simple example of how the acceleration can happen in in an unplanned way is at the beginning of the pandemic. In the first six weeks of the pandemic, a million badges were completed on idea in six weeks. Right. So, you know. Why did that happen? It happened because people were suddenly looking for ways to learn, looking for free, um, exciting, um, fun learning that was out there, and and you know, and, and so so it became you know uh, a lot more popular pro you know pro rata than than it had been before, and you know just because of of the environment. So so yeah. And did you and did you find uh, or given that there's been 10 million badges awarded, are you seeing use case the different different use cases? In other words, I mean, I went on there and I learned because I, I went and learned about the, the UN SDGs just because I was interested in it, learning for pleasure, interested. 
are you seeing these badges apply into that, um, uh, as you talk, talked about learning to earn, learning and earning, like into the earning? Are people using it in the earning space, mostly in the learning space? What's your sense of that? It's used across all of it. So, I mean, the, the original focus was um, to provide uh, award routes for young people, sort of roughly, um, let's say, from about 8 to 10 years old through to 18 to 20. So, so in, that, you know, in that formative um, period where they're looking to develop ideas of where they're going to go with, with their, their lives, right? So, so that was the original sort of focus of the materials, right? Um, and so it's used, for example, in, the, in delivering the computer science curriculum in, in the UK. Um, but it's also then used in universities for, for professional development, personal and professional development. So additional uh, opportunities uh, alongside degree qualifications. It's also been used within degree qualifications uh, within universities. It's been used in um, uh, local government uh, for, for professional development, so in the workplace context there. It's been used in um, helping people getting back into work that have been long-term unemployed, both through um, uh, government initiatives and uh, through educational initiatives. Um, and it's, yeah, it's being used in a, a broad range of other contexts where it's simply providing a, a re-engagement mechanism to learning. I mean, you know, I, we can explore this analogy further, but one of the things I talk about in my books is about learning fitness. And and it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a way of uh, enabling people to access uh, you know, to learning fitness activities. So you see lots of adverts on, on, on television, particularly during the pandemic, but even since then, for different ways of getting fit, physically fit, right? Okay, this is a different way of getting learning fit, of getting yourself into, back into, into learning, getting yourself developing certain strengths in learning, um, giving you a, a routine and a regulation within learning, lots of different component parts there. So it seems that that um, the use case really has been, uh, as part of someone's learning ecosystem, you and I used those words when we last talked, so there's all these opportunities to learn. Idea fits in there in a huge number of settings as an opportunity to learn, whether that's in a formal setting or an informal setting, uh, and that is part of this larger learning ecosystem, which brings me to this, this, this bigger question that you and I talked about before. I'm always interested in big unifying ideas. You have a background in theoretical physics, so I'm thinking the big idea of string theory or whatever the, the universal unifying ideas are of the universe. What is yours for learning? Like, What, what is the big idea that, that will be driving us into the future or should be driving us into the future? So, I mean, you know, if, if we're looking for a, a grand unified theory of education, um, I think what it, what it is, is we should be, we should be looking at, uh, at personalized learning as, as, as that. Okay. We, you know, we can only learn in the context of, of who we are, what we've done previously, our experiences, 
uh, and how they then impact on on how we access and engage with learning. I mean, it, again, coming back to this learning fitness analogy, right? You know, people have different levels of physical fitness. They have different exercises they like to do, different routines they like to do if they're trying to stay fit, okay? The same is true of our, our education, our learning. You know, we, we get put through in formal education a fairly standardized exercise exercise regime in terms of learning right uh and it's not really delivering for for most people you know it delivers for you know maybe some some people in the middle of the you know of the of the normal distribution but it certainly doesn't deliver for most and you know and it's it's not enabling as many people as possible to get learning fit. It's not optimizing learning fitness, right? And if you look at what's happened in physical fitness in the last few years, you know, things like uh, fitness trackers, things like having different ways of accessing fitness, uh, you know, uh, has, has exploded. And, and, and within there, the personal trainer has exploded as a, as a, a way of getting people tailor-made exercise uh, opportunities. Now, you know, there's a cost with that in the in the real world in terms of physical fitness, but in terms of education and learning fitness, a lot of that can be done online and a lot of it can be done for free uh, in a fun and engaging way uh, with gamification elements if there's sufficient willpower and effort to do that. Right. And so hmm, I love this analogy because uh, I, I, you know, I think about I like exercise. I think about sport. I, I think about physical fitness. Uh, I haven't made that connection to learning fitness. So I like the use of those words. So when we think about being physically fit in a personalized way, we're looking at our own statistics. It could be pulse. It could be blood pressure. It could be uh, strength or whatever the case may be. So going back to badges and credentialing, and skills, it seems that there is some analogy towards measurable pieces of learning that are um, you can see growth across to over time, right? For any particular individual. Granularizing the learning earning journey, right? So granularizing it, breaking it down into, um, into component parts, a sufficient level of abstraction so you can understand what those bits are, okay? Um, but granularizing it so that people can make progress at the rate that they're able to, they can get fit at their own rate. You know, we, it's insane that you have to go through your education in a set number of years going all at the same pace. And if you don't keep up, you drop out. If you're going too quick, you get bored, you know, how does that work? There's no need to do that anymore, right? All we need to do is to get people to a level of fitness at the right point in their life for them. And and given how long we work and, and what we do nowadays, you know, just think of the the waste in society, both productivity-wise and societally, individually, that comes about from, from the current system. The current system is, you know, as, as Sir Ken Robinson used to say, it's a factory model of education. It's based on a conveyor belt. It's based on widgets. And there's a lot of discarded waste in that model, right? And, and really what we need now is 
is bespoke widgets. We need personalized widgets to meet lots of different uh, societal needs. But we also need to reduce the waste level because it has health implications. It has implications in terms of how society functions and dysfunctions. It has implications in terms, as said, in terms of productivity. But, you know, fundamentally, it's about people having the happiest, most fulfilled, purposeful lives. You know, and we're just not, we're not delivering that with the current model. Right, right. We have the standard regime uh, and there, people are dabbling. Certainly there's efforts being made in personalized um, learning uh, ac- across the world. So people are recognizing this. We're recognizing that every learner is different. The standard model worked because it's easy in a lot of ways, right? It's all about delivery and not much about output uh, or, or, or results, meaning it didn't matter how many people got it. It was that you delivered something that was standard. So, so in terms of thinking about how badging credentialing this helps solve for this personalized world, I, I, this is a record keeping piece in a lot of ways, right? Like if you're going to personalize learning and granularize it, um, it's not going to be a set of standard exams that someone takes at the end. It's going to be a much more discrete description of the learning fitness of any individual using your words. It could be a record of achievement, for example. You know, that would be a, a simple way of describing it. Right. Maybe. And so, but yet the 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 uh, embeddedness of of trend of traditional transcripts, letter grades or number grades, whatever the system is in the country that people are in, um, it's a really sticky system. So, do we? Do you think? Are, are you bullish that that the idea of personalization it's going to get easier and easier, so that it'll just be a normal choice to say we're moving away from in the U.S. A through F because it doesn't make sense anymore, and all the technology is there, including the technology to record, to verify, to to et cetera, et cetera. Is is it is it an ease of use thing that will move us in that direction? You think? No, it's not an ease of use thing. It's a trust thing. Right. So. So the the issue is currently that however dysfunctional the system is, there is an abstraction and an understanding of value and currency in the current system. Okay. So when it comes to a skills economy trading model, the current system works to some extent. You know, if you've got a high school diploma, if you've got a uh, a degree from from a university, that has a shorthand. It has a conceptual understanding that people can use. And like most of the rest of the system, which is based on qualifications, it's a filter. You know, the traditional model was we didn't need many people getting through the system. So what we'll do is we'll just put a filter in place. You know, it's like a, it's like a, a set exercise uh, target. If you can get to that, okay, you're in. If you don't, you're not. Yeah, right. Okay. So 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 yeah. So the that's the you know the traditional approach is very much one of you know we only need so many people and we only need them once they get beyond this level, right? The the issue in moving away from that is how do people trust in this new model, right? And we can come back to this in terms of badging and micro-credentialing more generally. But the, 
you know, the challenge to some extent is a bit similar to the challenge with digital currency. It's how do people trust it enough that it, it gains traction in society, right? So there's an easy way of doing this in the learner only journey, which is you you peg the the new things to the old things, right? So you you say, okay, well, look, we've got these traditional qualifications. How could they be replaced in part, in whole, by badges and micro-credentials? How would that look? And in fact, we're just finishing off a national uh, project that, that is, is showing how you could do that using skills, right? Um, so once you've got that, you can then start saying, okay, well, look, this here is equivalent to that there. You know, we've already been doing it, for example, in our university degrees with LinkedIn Learning. We've said, look, if you've done LinkedIn Learning uh, and you've done this amount of LinkedIn Learning, that's the same as this amount of credit that we, we offer, okay? So we'll recognize it as, as that amount of credit, right? So suddenly you've got a way to say, if you've got things out there that meet these these requirements, so, you know, that are, are the amounts of, of study, different skills, things like that, then then you can equate them to what's already there. And then what happens is over time, you can introduce more of that into the system and you can make the assessments and the qualifications more flexible and more personalized. Okay. So for example, doing it, you know, in the report that we're just about to issue, we will show an example in there of if you did a university degree, you could reduce the amount of assessment and you could replace it with personalized learning elements. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in that way, you can differentiate between different learners doing the same qualification. So the employer then gets something they've been after all the time, which is an ability to understand who best matches their requirements in terms of the competencies they're looking for for the workplace based on their record of achievement or their journey or whatever they've done, right? And and without um, without providing that, you will always have what I call a capability competency chasm. You will always have this gap between these two areas because there's not the translation going on there. So as soon as you get employers and in particular parents on side because they can see the utility of this, you know, and both of those those stakeholders are interested in a smooth learner earner journey, right? So, so once you get both of them on board in in the education space and in the employment space, it becomes straightforward. It it builds trust through usage. You know, it's like contactless payments or pin pin number, uh, you know, things like that. You know, it takes a bit of time to get going, but once it's done, people don't even you know, don't even think about it anymore. They, you know, they, 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 the trust, the system becomes trusted. Right. I think this is a key element, right? So, so while the system, the, the current system, the traditional system has significant flaws, it has a huge benefit in that there's trust in the system, right? Meaning people believe that if you have a degree from X university, it means something, right? Uh, what you're saying is build into the current system, the system that you want. So granularize it through competencies, through the skill-based um, trading work, so that so that um, over time people see the trust 
I would say, percolate down at a granular level so that they're trusting the competencies, which then is trusted by parents to say that my child is getting the things that they need and I don't need to see an A, B, C, D or whatever the marks are. And employers who actually have a better view of what they're getting, because at this point, we don't necessarily, I I think uh, when we look at surveys of companies and, and, and those who are hiring is that uh, a degree doesn't necessarily mean skill. A degree means degree. They're not necessarily asserting, they should assert, but they don't always assert that that employee, the newly hired employee is going to be fantastic at their position. There's a lot of re-education, reskilling, upskilling, et cetera. So, so let's talk a little bit about that's the skills themselves, because um, some of them, like my experience getting a badge about the, the UN sustainability goals are pretty straightforward. I was learning about the goals, the, the, the idea idea platform gave me some questions, but some of the skills that were were really are I think are missing or employers are, who are surveyed are missing are around can you collaborate well can you lead well um, can you communicate well can you solve conflict all these I, I call them durable skills this I, things that persist beyond content changes and so I'm wondering how can this new system of granularity can we accommodate that is that possible? What are you thinking well, about that's that? What the, that's what a national uh, project that we're just about to report on it, it shows that. So, so basically, if you want to, if you want to translate between learning and earning in a, in an effective way, using skills, um, you need to think at the right level of abstraction. Okay, and the right level of abstraction needs to be sufficiently detailed so we can understand the individual nuanced parts. You've given some examples there, right? But not so detailed that it's not usable day to day, right? So what we've done in terms of the, the model we're using, and you know, and this is something that can be developed that the individual areas that are covered can, can shrink or grow. But what it does is it uses 25 descriptors so six of them are subject specific, 19 of them are transferable or durable as you would refer to them, right? And they're based on six different thematic areas. So basically to do with the actual uh, information, theoretical information that you're accessing, um, understanding the environment that this applies to, so usually a, a business context, for example, um, being able to develop new things, so uh, a whole range of things there to do with, say, creativity um, and problem solving, for example, um, things to do with how you deliver the actual product, process, service that you're you're providing uh, elements to do with you as a person and, and how you're making sense of this and elements to do with communication and and reporting and areas like that right and and they're based on 21st century skills categories um, but what they do is it means you can translate any learning outcome into them and you can translate any workplace competency into them Right, and so we've got then labour market information from Lightcast, what used to be MZ Burning Glass. Okay, um, so we're we're using labour market job posting information, analysing the skills that are in there, analysing the courses that they're studying, 
and the skills that are in there, and then looking at how the two map or don't map to each other. Right. So, so then you have that great translation between capability and competency, right? From learning to earning. It's that, it's that skills framework. Super interested um, in seeing that report when it comes out, because I think that's, this is, this is the elusive chasm that you were talking about. We've got to be able to cross this chasm and be able to translate one to the other to identify gaps um, and also better set up every person. So we're nearing the end of our time. I think we could go on for hours, I'm pretty sure. Um, I have one more question uh, before we wrap up, is that uh, I know you talked earlier about tech as just tools, um, and, and, but, and I know that there's a lot of hype around Web3 and the blockchain and uh, how that may translate into the education sector. Useful for this grand vision of yours? Not useful? What's your, what's your take on it? Um, possibly useful. I think what I would say is in everything I've ever done in this space, it starts with the, it starts with the learning and the learner. It starts with principles and processes and then moves to technology. It doesn't start the other way around. Right. So, so blockchain has, has uses. So for example, um, it's useful as a way of, uh, evidencing trust. It's useful as a way of um, potentially decentralizing teaching as well as learning. So, for example, you could have an individual teacher and associate the learning with those individual teachers. So, you know, so it's a way of showing a connection between things that can be useful. Um, but it could also be problematic. So it could be problematic, for example, if you choose to publish everything that's recorded on uh, on the blockchain, because what then then happens is it becomes a barrier to learning, right? Because you know if you are worried about what people think about your performance, and it's taken you fifteen or twenty times to to do this particular learning exercise, you know you're going to not want to engage in that learning exercise until you know you can be successful you're just not going to engage right so so there's 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 real issues there in terms of unintended consequences um that that need to be uh considered and it's why we have to start with the ecosystem the principles and the processes that underpin that ecosystem and then the the technology is there to serve the the improvements that you want to see there it's not the other way around we're not there to serve the technology right right i appreciate that and i think that gets into the whole other conversation of blockchain will record all transactions by design it's the self-sovereignty of the user or the person who owns the information to say i can release this information to the world uh, and i have control over that rather than someone else has control over and i think that's a an important distinction that that those who are learning in web three and understanding is that, um, that, that we need to be careful about, uh, so that people still are willing to go out and try things like that's how we learn. We learn by trying. So Rupert, this has been amazing, uh, to, to wrap up. I always love to ask sort of two questions. One is what's the big takeaway message, uh, that you would like our audience to hear. And then the second one is, uh, who, who is a person or persons that you would like to amplify that's, that's doing good work, um, in this space and is, and doing good work for learners everywhere. Yeah, so I think that the, the key message is uh, about self-regulation, self-regulated learning. So underpinning personalized learning and your personal learner and a journey, you need to 
self-regulate. It's like getting learning fit. You need to self-regulate. And that requires self-reflection. So you need to understand how your environment and your previous experiences impact on your ability to maximize your potential and how you can maximize your potential through reperceiving and uh, reappraising uh, your previous experiences. Right. So, you know, so believe to succeed, but analyze to believe to succeed, I guess would be the, and then, and then I guess, I mean, two people, I guess I'd, I'd highlight that in different contexts, uh, 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 are looking to innovate and, and are looking to, to develop equity and make a difference around the world. So, I mean, the first one's, uh, Andrea Schleicher, who's, uh, at the OECD, um, and uh, he, he manages things like the PISA, the the you know the uh, global educational performance uh, measures there. But he's very interested in this space and is is very innovative in terms of how he looks to to influence how we we provide education around the world. Um, and the second one is is Martin Bean, um, uh, formerly. Uh, at Microsoft and the Open University in the UK, who's vice chancellor there, and RMIT in Australia, has now recently set up the Bean Centre, which is is working in this space and who has a, a huge passion for for equity uh, and and sees the the potential of of this space to do, to deliver that. I really appreciate those recommendations. We'll put these all in the call notes um, and any other references that you have, certainly share with us and we'll add them to the call notes. Um, I, I just want to, so number one, thank you. I, I These are the things that, a couple of things that I took away that were, were new for me. I, I love this idea of, I've thought a lot about learning to earning. Um, I, I don't think I've thought enough about the skills gap that you were talking, the, the skills matching gap that you were talking about. This idea that we are we are we are thinking about capability in the learning space and the, the competency in the earning space, and we need to find the match between those two. Um, I love this idea of learning fitness, and that there's a lot of analogies to physical fitness that we need to think about, and that learning fitness can be customized and personalized. That's that is personalization is the holy grail for us. We need to be able to meet every learner where they are to meet their full potential in the world. Um, and then I think. The, the, the third one is this idea that we need to think about ecosystems, principles, and processes before technology. You're a technologist. I dabble in technology, but that can't come first. That has to solve the problem or the challenges that we're finding when we, when we think about ecosystems, principles, and processes. And then the fourth for me is around, the, which is the biggest idea for me, is just this idea of trust. We trust in systems right now that aren't nearly perfect and don't meet every learner's needs. We have an equity issue there and not every person is meeting their full potential because of it. We need to build into those systems when we're talking about badging and credentialing so that trust percolates down to badging and credentialing, which then allows us to expand that into the larger ecosystem. Uh, So appreciate all your time today. Um, I hope that we can continue this conversation and uh, thanks for all the insights and all the work that you're doing to advance the field. It's been an absolute pleasure, Nate. And uh, yeah, let's have another chat another time. I'd love to talk further about this. Thank you.